0: Welcome to the Martech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss scaling your business without scaling your headcount. Joining us is Nathan Hirsch, who is the CEO of Outsource School, which is an education platform for entrepreneurs that want to learn how to scale their business with reliable virtual assistants. And today, Nathan and I are going to discuss finding the right virtual assistant talent for your business. Okay, here's my conversation with Nathan Hirsch, CEO of Outsource School. Nathan, welcome to the Martech Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk a little bit about getting some help and doing it in a cost-effective way. I'll start off by saying that for my business, we run a series of podcasts and we have a dispersed global team, all of them who are independent contractors. I'm the only employee here. So we're big advocates of finding talent to do micro tasks around the globe. It seems like That's kind of core to your product offering as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, my whole thing is scaling businesses that are run by virtual assistants. I scaled an Amazon business to $25 million over six, seven years with a team of VAs. And then I scaled the free up marketplace, which is a marketplace for freelancers. But my internal team on the platform, not the people offering services, the people that worked for me was 35 remote VAs in the Philippines. And we had no office, no U.S. employees. We hit eight figures in four years. We were acquired at the end of last year. And now my new company, Outsource School, not only just people how to scale businesses with VAs, but our internal team is VAs. So that's really my thing is just scaling businesses without the high overhead costs.
1: So you're eating your own dog food. You're an entrepreneur that's had success doing this. Talk to me a little bit about finding the right talent. It seems like that's really the big problem at first is, I guess, isolating the roles that you need to fill and then finding the people to fill them. How do you match roles and responsibilities?
2: So to start off, I I always like to just define the three different levels of hiring because a lot of people they'll say virtual assistant, but they don't really mean virtual assistant in the way that I mean virtual assistant so for clarity there's three different levels of people you can hire. You've got followers, doers, and experts. And the followers, that's what I consider virtual assistants. Five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US. They might have years of experience, but they're there to follow your systems, your processes. If you don't have those, you're gonna struggle to hire them. Then there, you got the specialists, the doers, the graphic designers, video editors, writers. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. And then you've got the experts, the high-level freelancers, consultants, agencies who are bringing their own systems, their own processes to the table, and you're not going to train them how to do it. They already know how to do it at a high level. So understanding those three levels is important because as you're going to hire, you need to break down your tasks into the tasks that you know how to do, that you have systems for. The tasks that are more project-based that you really need to just build up a Rolodex of stuff that you need here and there, like I need graphic design work done throughout the month, but I don't need it every single day. And then what are the tasks that, yeah, you could spend six months becoming an expert at it, but you can't do that with everything in your business. You have to hire experts for your email marketing, your Facebook ads, whatever it is for your business. So I think the starting point is understanding the different levels and creating lists of what you need followers, doers, and experts for.
1: Now, the people that are listening to the MarTech podcasts are all intelligent, capable individuals. Some of them are working in enterprises. Some of them are working in smaller companies like mine, essentially a band of one. When you think about understanding how to scale businesses more like mine, where it's one person that, you know, I can spend time learning a new skill and creating the training system. I know how to run Facebook ads. I can go teach somebody else to do it and have a VA or hiring somebody that has that expertise. How do you make the trade-off of creating a system, documenting it and educating somebody as opposed to just finding somebody that already knows what to do?
2: There's lots of different factors in there. I and mean, part of it is cost and, and what your margins are. I mean, yeah, maybe you, and I'm not talking about your business, just in general, maybe you could hire a Facebook ad expert, but the second you do that, your margins are out the window. But maybe the second you do that, you get more money from the Facebook ad. So money's obviously an element in there. I think there's also an element of time. And lastly, it's how much do you want to own your systems? Because in the perfect business, you're running it like a McDonald's, where any part of your business can hopefully be done by any given person, and you don't want your systems to walk out the door. I've seen entrepreneurs who, let's say they're running an Amazon ad agency, they'll hire a team of VAs who already know how to run Amazon ads or run Amazon accounts, and maybe they even white label to another agency. But they don't realize how much leverage that really gives that other agency. And if that other agency increases their price or walks out or whatever it is, it can lead to issues. Now, At the same time, McDonald's has a marketing team. They hire experts to help with marketing and other higher level tasks. So it really comes down to figuring out what systems in your business you really need to own versus what systems that you want to experiment hiring experts to ideally do it better than you can, because you don't want to hire an expert who can just run Facebook ads at the same level that you can, but you don't own the systems. You want to hire someone who can do it way better than you ever could, no matter how hard you tried. And and that's what you really need to figure out.
1: Yeah, and for me, the process as a solopreneur here was to create the process, document, and hand it off. And, and most of what we've used our virtual assistants for has been micro tasks. It's everything from, you know, once we have our content edited, having somebody draft show notes or having somebody take the files and publish them. They can be complex tasks, but we're creating as much processes as we can to make it easy on the people that are doing them. And of course, they're going to be listening to this podcast. So let me just say, I really appreciate the team that we have and their level to take on additional work beyond the original scope that we've had. When you are thinking about outsourcing and you're documenting your processes, what's the process that you go to find the right person, make sure that they're consistent, they're going to follow your rules, and they're going to be available for a long time.
2: So I like to break hiring down into four parts. You've got interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing. And most of the issues actually come from the onboarding. But in terms of the interviewing, we call it our care interview process, where we're focused not just on experience, but on their communication, on their attitude, on their experience, but also what are the red flags? What are the red flags that are showing us they don't have the experience they say they do, they don't have the attitude we want, or they can't communicate the level that we do. So while we have an interview process, we have about 20 questions that we ask people, the real way that you prevent issues is through the onboarding. And this is where people mess up. And I'll give you an example. What most entrepreneurs do is, let's say they interview Jane, they want to hire Jane at five bucks an hour, They'll say, Hey, Jane, that was a great interview. You're hired at five bucks an hour. Let's start on Monday. What we teach people to do is say, Hey, Jane, that was a great interview. I want to hire you at five bucks an hour. But first, let's make sure you're really good with five bucks an hour. Maybe her other client's paying her nine. Maybe that she got a raise at another client recently or another job offer. Then we want to go through rates or bonuses and raises. So we want to make sure Jane doesn't expect to make 10 by next year if we're starting her at five and we only give bonuses for a dollar every single year because that won't blow up on me now, but that'll blow up on me in a year. So we make 100% sure that we're on the same page with rates and bonuses and raises, and then we take them through the SICK method. And this is so important, a 20 to 30 minute conversation that saves you so much time where you go through schedule, you go through issues, you go through communication and you go through culture with the virtual assistant, getting on the exact same page, answering any questions that you have. By the end of that, you're gonna know how many total hours they're working. You're gonna know what their backup plans are when they have internet issues or power issues. And you wanna give the VA a chance to back out. And that's what's key because the virtual assistant might say, hey, your expectations are too high, they're not in line. I don't want this job anymore which is great you'd rather they do that now than two months down the line. So almost all the issues that people have with VAs can be fixed with a good onboarding process. A special
1: thanks to our presenting sponsor Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. What's the expectation when you hire a VA in terms of how long they'll stay with your organization?
2: usually I I mentioned you got followers, you got doers, you got experts. So if I'm hiring more of a doer, and again, your definition of VA might be different than mine, that's more of building a Rolodex. Like, hey, I might want a graphic designer to work with me for years, but it's not consistent work. I'll just go to them or go to my group of graphic designers and say, hey, who can get to this first? Give me a due date, give me a due time. But I'm I'm always looking for that long-term relationship regardless, because I don't want to, every time I have a graphic design project, go and interview a graphic designer, I want to have these people ready to go. So even if it's part time work, unless it's really just a one time project, usually I want to build a Rolodex of people I can go to. Now with those followers, again, I want that to be a long term relationship, because I'm actually investing my time and energy into training them. Even if it's a a two-hour-a-month task, I want them to be doing that task for years and years to come. So I mean, I don't make people commit to me for life, but during the interview and onboarding process, I want to make sure they're looking for this to be their long-term job, whether that's five years, 10 years, for as long as I treat them well, that's really what I'm looking for because turnover really kills businesses. I think a lot of startups don't understand how bad turnover can be if you're a small business.
1: Yeah. And that actually gets right into my next question, which was talk to me about contingency planning. We've got a VA based team here at the MarTech podcast. And, you know, we haven't had a ton of turnover, but when we do, it is painful. How do you figure out how to make sure that your team has a backup plan or if somebody gets sick or leaves the organization, you're not caught flat footed?
2: So the things that you can do are, first of all, diversify teams and divide up teams where I used to make the mistake of hiring one VA and teaching them to do everything. You don't want to do that. So that if someone does quit, you just need to fill that particular spot. Then it comes down to good SOPs, standard operating procedures, things that if someone quits, you can just plug someone into the system and they do it very similarly. And you use those SOPs to reduce your training time. So you know how long it actually takes you to ramp someone up. And then from there, it becomes cross-training. And this is tough if you're a solo entrepreneur with two virtual assistants, but if you're like me and sounds like you, and you have a team of five to 15 virtual assistants, your new hires, even though they're in one team, can start receiving little training onto lots of different teams over time so that they at least have a head start when you're going to replace them. And then honestly, the best thing is preventative, preventing people from leaving in general. And that comes down to having performance reviews, getting honest feedback, hearing what their concerns are, addressing the feedback, treating people well with bonus and raise programs and showing appreciation and creating a family that they don't want to leave.
1: When you think about cost, you mentioned that you know you had your three categories before. There's your followers, your doers, and your experts. And I think you said that a follower is $5 to $10 USD on an hourly rate. How do you think about the rates for some of the other channels, the doers and the experts?
2: So doers are usually in that 10 to $45 an hour range, although a lot of the time it's project-based. And then the experts, I mean, they could be 50 bucks an hour. They could be $100,000 an hour. They could be monthly retainers. There's really no limit there.
1: When you're thinking about the cost efficiency between finding a virtual assistant as opposed to bringing somebody on in-house, how do you think about not only the difference in cost, I'm assuming it's generally going to be lower, but also the value exchange?
2: I'm biased. I scale businesses without US employees, but there's plenty of members of outsource school who have US employees. Then my whole thing is to one, understand how much a US employee really costs. I know we don't really do offices anymore, but if you have an office, there's an office cost, but a $50,000 employee doesn't really cost you $50,000. Usually it's around 1.3 to 1.4 of that once you factor in benefits and other stuff. So knowing what that actually costs and then uh, try to avoid hiring US followers. That's the biggest thing because, If you're going to hire US employees, which there's nothing wrong with, make sure you're hiring the doers or the experts, stuff that you wanna pay high level for and that you're not drastically overpaying because if you hire a US follower, let's say you hire a customer service rep in the US and you pay them 15 bucks an hour, which isn't a bad rate, it's not a great rate, it's an average rate depending on where you live. It's
1: basically minimum wage at this point.
2: Yeah, where you live, you're in San Francisco, I'm in Florida, so 15 bucks an hour is actually pretty good. But even if it's 20 bucks an hour, whatever that number is, the question becomes, how long are they really going to be happy with that rate? At some point, they're going to ask for more money, they're going to need raises. And then you get to the point where you're either drastically overpaying for a following position, or you're starting over for someone cheaper and losing all that time. So In my opinion, if you are going to do a hybrid team, hire non-US for the follower roles, hire US people for the doers and expert roles and and non-US too if you want, and then make sure that your US doers and experts that you're paying $70,000 a year, make sure that they're spending as much time as possible on $70,000 a year tasks. Consistently meet with them and figure out what tasks are they doing that you can get them a VA or multiple VAs so that they're always handling the most high level tasks. And that's how you get the most bang for your buck.
1: What's the most common problem that people have when they are starting to hire virtual assistants?
2: I think the most common problem a lot of times can be time zone, which is really, really easy to fix. A lot of people think you can't get a VA to work U.S. times, or they'll hire someone flexible schedule, but they don't really want them flexible schedule. So for me, as a starting point, hire people on the schedule that you need. If you don't need someone 40 hours a week on U.S. Eastern time, Do some kind of hybrid schedule where I do this with a lot of my VAs where they're working 8 a.m. to noon Eastern time, and then they can work four hours a day whenever they want as long as they get stuff done and and they're communicating and all that. But if you're going to hire someone flexible schedule, that really means flexible schedule. They might be working while you're sleeping and stuff like that. So if you do that, set up check-in points where, hey, they have to check in with you every day at 10 a.m., whatever that is. And I actually had a member of Outsource School who said, hey, I messed up. I hired this VA, flexible schedule, and I love her, but I need her on my time zone. And my whole solution was, hey, see if you can create a win-win for the VA where you're like, hey, what if I give you a 50-cent raise, 25-cent raise, 75-cent raise, whatever you guys work out, and for you to switch to some kind of hybrid where you're on at least two hours a day, my schedule. So if you can't get that schedule right, something that actually works for you as an entrepreneur, where you're not constantly talking to your VA at 10pm at night, and your wife's getting mad at you, and because you're working too late and stuff like that, you're never going to get off the ground and skill your business. So make sure you get the schedule right first.
1: So last question I have for you today, I guess you understand who you're going to hire, you have a good sense of rates, how you're going to work with them. Where do you find virtual assistants?
2: I hire mostly from the Philippines, and I'm also biased. I hire from the Free Up Marketplace, which I built, although I no longer own it. And my whole thing is hiring from the Philippines. And if you go to Outsource School, we have a whole video on this, but short version is they speak English at a high level. Rate's obviously a factor. They're very affordable. They're all about family and being a part of something which you want that reduces turnover. It's really great to build an organization where everyone wants that. And in terms of work ethic, I've had very, very good experiences. Now, you can take everything that I teach you and go hire wherever you want. But if I'm talking to someone who's hiring VAs for the first time, I wouldn't go out and hire two people from the Philippines and two people people from India, another person from South Africa, only because there's a learning curve whenever you deal with any culture. And it's just going to add more work to your plate. So I personally think hiring from the Philippines is a great entry point. I think it makes it easier for entrepreneurs that I've never hired before. And regardless of whether you hire from the Philippines, I would try to stick with one place for at least the first six months to a year.
1: Great language skills from the Philippines. We've had success hiring in Eastern Europe, Egypt, Western Europe, Greece, our editor, you know, we've really built a team that is all over the map. I think that it's possible to find great talent all over the world and just have to think about the economics of their geography and what their language skills are. And, And honestly, some of the kind of macro influences of what they've been trained to do also impacts your decision to hire them. Nathan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Looking forward to continuing this conversation tomorrow. So that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Nathan Hirsch, CEO of Outsource School, for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Nathan and I are going to talk about scaling organically with virtual assistants. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Nathan, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is RealNateHirsch, R-E-A-L-N-A-T-E-H-I-R-S-C-H, or you could visit his company's website, which is OutsourceSchool.com.